0: Thank you, Richard. Bless you. He did, he, you know, he, he did enjoy chucking chocolate around. I mean, he didn't throw us at any of us, did he? We we missed out there on the front row. I mean, anyway, my name's Chris Lane. Welcome to the vineyard if you're visiting for the uh, for the sort of wedding. Uh, Kevin and uh, uh, Rach's wedding yesterday. Wonderful. Kevin is our our children's pastor. Got married yesterday, as Richard said. I want to say welcome to you. Just out of interest, are you here from the wedding? Are you stopping over from the wedding? Well, there. hello, welcome. Give them a clap, you know. I thought that all of you were coming from the wedding, but no, oh my goodness. Well, anyway, wherever you've come from, wherever you're here, you're welcome here. And and you know what? The Spirit of God was expecting you. So let's, uh, let's get straight into God's Word. Last two or three weeks, we have been uh, teaching a message called Life Wins. And, uh, of course, the resurrection is really getting to the nub of it. And I so want the Holy Spirit just to, just to touch your heart. And I, I just want to pray now that you know, it'll be more than just Chris ramb- rabbiting on. Something wonderful will happen and that the Spirit of God will really just kind of impact you. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to share the wonderful news of Jesus' death and resurrection. And we thank you, Lord God, that you vindicated your your priceless, sinless Son on Easter Day when you raised him from the dead. And thank you, Lord God, that now that gift is ours. And so I pray, Lord God, that as I speak, Lord God, that you know I hope I, hopefully I'll be engaging and entertaining, or whatever else. But more than that, I pray, Lord God, that I will be effective by the power of your Holy Spirit that you'll touch our hearts, not just tickle our ears. And we ask it all in Jesus' name, Amen. Okay. So uh, let's get straight into the story then. We're going to have the script up on the uh, screen, but if you've got a, a Bible or a BlackBerry or whatever you use, uh, follow me. We're going to look at John 20. I'm going to read the whole chapter. We're going to get the story and uh, get the feel of it, get into it. So let's just do that then. Early on the first day of the week, when it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed. So she came running to Simon and Peter and said to the other disciples, the one Jesus loved, and said, they've taken the Lord away. They've taken him out of the tomb. We don't know where they put him. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but they did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb, and he saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside, and he saw and believed. They still did not know or understand the scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, and I don't know where they've put him. And at this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was a gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've put him, and I will get him. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and to your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. and The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. And if you do not forgive them, they're not forgiven. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and still believe. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Thank you, Lord God, for your living word. Come presence yourself with us now. Amen. You know, last week, if you were here, or if you listened to the podcast, you'll know that I preached a sermon talking about the struggle to live. And basically, having been ill for a little while, sick, you know, the virus or something, I had a a lot of time on my hand, and I read through a number of pieces of Scripture, but I, I read through John's Gospel, and I saw something I'd never seen before. And that was just what a struggle it was for Jesus to live, to stay alive. In fact, all throughout John's gospel, he's dodging, ducking, weaving. People are trying to you know, trick him and betray him. And people are trying to persecute him. Twice they try and stone him. You know, he, There is hostility, aggression, and they're out to get him. It's really tough for Jesus to actually fulfill his mission because almost, almost from day one, there's opposition. So John records that, and I'd not seen it in quite that clarity, but and I invited you to read through the book with me, and I hope you did and this week and you'll have seen that. You know, just extraordinary. He had to sometimes he would hold back or not go into a town and you know, it, it was just you just had to be very canny in order to fulfill what God had in store for him. And then last Sunday, as with the Church of Jesus Christ the Worldwide, we, we celebrated, amongst other things, Jesus coming into Jerusalem at the beginning of what we've come to call Holy Week. It was the Passover feast for the Jews. But as he rode in, it was as if he broke cover. And the whole town turned out and, and praised and celebrated this great teacher, this prophet, this Messiah. You know, there was a certain amount of debate about what he actually was. But no longer was he hiding, ducking, diving, weaving. Now he was on this donkey riding into Jerusalem with with people cutting down uh, branches and laying it at his feet and, 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 and praising and worshiping. Well, needless to say, that did not go down well. And it's as if a switch was flicked. And whereas Jesus had been struggling to stay alive, it was now as if he was struggling to die because he seemed to be deliberately provocative. And what I put to you last week, that actually Jesus knew right from day one that his, his mission on earth was to die for the sins of the world. But on his own terms, in the right time, when hundreds of prophecies about the Messiah had been fulfilled. And in fact, if you read through... John's gospel you've noticed that you've noticed if you read Matthew's gospel even more so you all along the gospel writers are saying this was done to fulfill this or this was done to fulfill that because Jesus didn't want to die just an ignominious death duffed up in some back street in Nazareth another bleeding unknown corpse there was a mission and there was a purpose so he transitioned from the struggle to live to die at the right time to the struggle to die, because now was the time when he would bear the sins of the world. And that, of course, if you were here at the meditation on Fridays, what we particularly focused on and celebrated and thought through. Now, what I love about this account is that John, continuing this same sense of theme and purpose on the whole struggle of it, he talks now, as it were, about the struggle to believe. The struggle to believe. Let's have a show of hands. Who's struggled to believe here? (laughs) That's good. Sometimes the questions seem to outweigh the answers. It's a struggle to believe. But if if you need any encouragement in this, remember Jesus' words to Thomas. He said to Thomas, he said, you believe because you've seen. Well, well done, Chuck. But actually, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. This is entirely consistent with the gospel. It's a little bit counterintuitive, you know, because we live in a world where we say, you know, seeing is believing. But actually, Jesus said, of his own mission, he said, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on earth? You see, faith is gold. Faith is is gold to the kingdom of God. Faith, we're told, is one of those things that that he yearns for and looks for in the heart of man. We are wired for faith, but we tend to put our faith in the wrong things. We put our faith in getting on in the world, making lots of money. We put our faith in our education. Then we get very cross when we, those of you who are graduates, can't get a decent job. I've had so many coming in the last... 18 months saying, I can't get a job, I can't pay the rent. I remember one young man came to me with, you know, not uncommon, nearly 25,000 pounds worth of debt. That's how he was beginning his working life because of the costs that he'd incurred in gaining an education. He hadn't lived the high life, this was just his course fees and all the rest of it. And he was bemoaning the fact, he said to me, I can't get a job. In fact, I can't seem to get any kind of job. And he said, I feel like I've been sold a lie. We put our faith in our education. We put our faith in our money. We put in our faith in other people. We are wired for faith. The one person we seem resistant to putting our faith in is God. And yet, our faith and our capacity for faith were made for God. And when we fix our faith, when we fix our eyes on Jesus, life wins. Something happens. Life within us becomes irrepressible, irrepressible. But at this point in time, we see the, the disciples and the struggle to believe. Let's just think about that just for a moment. First of all, we've got Mary Magdalene. Now, last week, I talked about Mary and Martha and the conversation that they had at the tomb of Lazarus. This is a different Mary. This is a Mary who actually had a very colorful past. Read into that what you like. And she's actually, you know, amongst the very first to go to Jesus' tomb on the first Easter Sunday, and she is utterly perplexed because the tomb is open and the body's gone. So she runs back to the disciples. She struggles to get her head around what's going on. They, he, she tells the disciples, and Peter and another disciple, and incidentally, it's commonly believed that this other disciple was actually John himself. It's kind of a little coy. He refers to the other disciple, kind of the humble man. The other disciple. Didn't name him. It was John. So Peter and John run to the tomb, and they, they, they you know, John hesitates, well, even though he outruns Peter, and then Peter, just being a bold, brash kind of fellow he is, he just charges straight in, and it's true, the body's been stolen, or whatever, or what does this mean? And they've forgotten, and if you've read through the scriptures this week, you'll know, that Jesus told them, but they didn't want to hear it. They were like kids in the playground going, no, 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 not this thing, not this thing. And what he was saying was, the Son of Man will be persecuted. The Son of Man will go to the cross. And the Son of Man will rise again on the third day. But who can blame them? I, I, I mean, to be honest with you, hindsight is wonderful, but if I'd been amongst that company, I'd have probably done the same thing. No, 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 I don't want to hear that. You know, I'm, I'm throwing my loss in with you, and I'm looking forward to the day when you're king in Jerusalem, and I'm your sort of chancellor of the Exchequer, and we all get to sit in great seats and have, you know, fast cars. and sense, what. They didn't want to hear that. They, they couldn't understand it. They couldn't get their head around it. And who could blame them, to be honest? And John records that. There's something wonderfully authentic about this account. You know, if he just sort of said, you know, and Jesus rose again from the dead, and they all lived happily ever after. That's just a little too trite, a little too easy, and a little too facile. What we see here is an authentic account of men and women of of good heart who are trying to get their heads around what has happened. And then, of course, there's dear old Thomas. He gets a bad press here, but you know, I have to say that Thomas stuck the course. In uh, June, Rich is taking a team to India to our uh, orphanages there. And uh, you know, when I went to uh, India a couple of years ago, I was shown St. Luke's Church, uh, St. Thomas's Church. I don't know in, in, in Chennai. I can't remember which one it was. But in this church, it's St. Thomas's, in this church was a record of how Thomas, bless his heart, had gone east. All the other disciples had gone west or north. And most of them, the vast majority of them, Bob One as far as we know, actually died a martyr's death. But Thomas, bless his heart, after a rather poor beginning, if you like, he went east. And he went down, went across through Persia, went down into into India and ended up on the east coast of India where he founded the Christian church. Now, you hear a lot about the Hindus and the Muslims, but, you know, 2% of the population in India are Christian. A lot of them are Catholic Christian. It it gets, you know, you don't hear much about it because it's not the biggest thing, but that represents, when when you reckon that there's something like 2 billion Indians... You know, it's extraordinary the size of that church because one man, when he saw his brothers going right, he said, you know what? I think the Spirit of God's taking me that way. So although he started not particularly well, maybe you didn't start particularly well. I didn't start particularly well on this thing we call faith, I'll be honest with you. But actually, life wins. God's Spirit within us is irrepressible. And so we find that, that here in this account, Thomas has his encounter with Jesus. It changes his life. So the struggle to believe is something that we can all identify with. And Thomas comes out with this great creedal statement. There's one or two of them. In, I mentioned one last week. Some of you will remember that. Thomas says, my Lord and my God. Not just my best friend. Or Jesus, you know, it's so good to see you, mate. We thought you were a goner. But it's for him a creedal statement. That's a belief statement, a faith statement. Because he suddenly realizes that this isn't just some incredible kind of twilight zone, weird thing. He realizes the import, even almost before the other disciples, that Jesus is not just his Lord, and that was a fairly common title, but he is his Lord and his God. Now that's a huge step. A huge step from my best friend who does some pretty good healings and, he t- and tells a nice story and all the rest of it. Now he's gone from my Lord to my God. God bless him. The struggle to believe. Now, in all of this, you may find yourself saying, well, I can identify with that. I wish Jesus would show up and show me his palms and all this kind of thing. Well, you know what? Maybe he is showing up. this, this may be difficult for you, but I believe the presence of the church of Jesus Christ in all its forms is actually a testimony to this resurrection life. You know, Paul said, he said, the life that is within you is the same life that raised Jesus from the dead. And here we are you know, over 2,000 years on, and we experience his life. We've sensed his presence this morning. We sense it even now. One of the things that John loves to do is to connect Jesus and who he is with, with power encounters. So, for example, Jesus says, I'm the light of the world, and then he heals the blind. He says, I'm the resurrection and the life, and he raises the dead, and so on and so forth. What he says here, he says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence that are not written in this book. And so Jesus' words and deeds are consistent. And we have found in this church over 25 years, and increasingly so, interesting enough, over the last two to three years, that we know the power of God here. We've seen people's wombs opened up, women who have been, pre- who have been uh, told that they will never conceive because of... of, of uh, Cancer and all the rest of it. Conceiving, we have a, a, an army of kids who are out there in the in the kids ministry now who have been born in spite of what the doctor said was going to happen. We've seen people healed of cancer. I'm not saying that we see everyone, but we every week we see something happening. Now I could tell you some great stories from our history, but I, you know when I was preparing this, I said to the Lord, I said I want to give them something hot from the oven like fresh bread who loves the smell of fresh bread by the way do you know if I get a fresh hot loaf from Tesco's I take it home and I I I bought it and it's supposed to last three days and if this isn't there to stop me I'll eat the whole thing it's gross isn't it I'm sorry but there's something about fresh bread that is wonderful and I said to the spirit of God I said I want a fresh story thank you for all you've done but I want something that's hot off the press and then the Lord just, through one of our, our dear friends, uh, part of our family here, just gave me a break, gave me some hot bread from heaven's oven. And so I'd love you to just welcome Charlie Tyrrell, just to come up here and share her story. And perhaps we could have the stick mic up here. Charlie, come on up. Bless your heart. We've known Charlie for years, and I'm going to embarrass you again, I think the first time I met Charlie was in the Horn of Plenty, probably, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, and you were a little worse for wear. Yeah, that's
1: probably true. You know, this is a church
0: where we have history, to be honest, and Charlie, God's just done wonderful things in your life, and you've got a lot of stories, actually, but you've got one that is hot from heaven's oven. Just tell us that story. Thank you.
1: Um, yeah, about, it was about two years ago, um, I was diagnosed with quite a large, benign skin cancer. Um, and I was pregnant at the time, so they said that they'd have to wait for me to have the baby in order to operate. Um, so I had my baby, and then about six weeks later, I went in for um, some operations, and they, they had to remove the whole crown of my head and skin graft from my leg, because so, um, it was quite a large area. Um, and then they signed me off and I kind of just tried to really choose to believe that it was all over. Um, and then in December, just gone, we, it appeared to come back. Um, it looked exactly the same. It grew exactly the same. Um, and My doctor referred me again. She said that it was most probable the same thing that happened again. Um, and I was just devastated, really, because I just thought I just want to be a mummy, I just want to get on with life and and I dug deep to choose to believe that it was all over, and i I just felt a bit sort of in tatters in terms of really believing, um, but my husband was was brilliant really he He really felt God told him that yes, it was the same thing back again, but not to try and like make me feel better by saying oh maybe it's not you'll be okay everything's all right but but just saying that yes it was that but god was going to heal that so i kind of um sort of fed off his faith for that time and for that eight weeks we just prayed a lot and i know some of you know that the the women's prayer book prayer thing which is on facebook um, and I know that one hundred and thirty six people had read my prayer request sort of on my knees, please God, if you will, will you just heal that? Um, so eight weeks rolled around and and I went to see the specialists and um they removed like the scabbed area on my head, and whereas before when they removed it, underneath was really horrible and um it was, yeah. So, but when the, he removed the scabbed area, it was just fresh, healthy, new skin. Wow! So, wow. yeah, praise it was God. amazing. <laughs> so, yeah, it was really amazing. And um, praise God, and I got signed off on Tuesday, so I don't oh, have to go back. My. So, yeah. Praise
0: God. <laughs> Wonderful story. Why don't we just raise our hand to bless Charlie and? And Sean and the kids as well. Father, thank you that life wins. And your life and love is irrepressible. Thank you for all that you've done in Charlie and Sean, the many stories they have. But thank you for this latest one. And we ask your blessing, health, and wholeness for Charlie, that she may go on from strength from strength, being a mum and being your daughter. And everyone said, amen. Bless you, Charlie. Give her another clap. Bless your heart. You know, we love stories like that. We, in fact, if you go on our website, there's, there's lots of stories like that. It's under, uh, I don't forget what we call it. What do we call it? What do we call it on the website? Where do you go to get those? Stories, is it? Fliss isn't here, so I can't ask her. But anyway, it's on the website, and we're also actually taking, we now have a little kind of crew that are. They're actually doing video uh, accounts of these testimonies because they're, they're, they're getting so many. It's wonderful. You know, when the power of God kind of rests on the word of God, and the old Pentecostals used to say that, you know, the Holy Spirit moves upon the word of God, and that's what we're seeing. We just, all we can do is open the book and share the word, but as we do that, we find the Holy Spirit increasingly, I don't know why, it's, it's just wonderful, isn't it, Dan? Uh, he just comes and visits us. And, you know, week by week, we have a ton of people down there getting prayer and ministry, and the testimonies are coming back. I love things like that. It makes me wriggle with excitement. Hands up if it makes you wriggle with, with excitement. Does Dennis and Richard? Very good. Well done. Good. It, it, you know, it makes me want to, well, it makes me want to shout and sing. And... Who, who, who likes to shout and sing here? Who likes to dance here? You know what they say about the vineyard? They say vineyard people don't dance. What do you think about that? I tell you what, I've got a great little video I wanted to show you, a little viral video. And if you want to dance, Dennis and I, you didn't know this, mate, but you're going to. You're going to dance with me. We're going to dance. Who else will dance with us? Thank you. We've got some people who are going to dance. Let's run this uh, video. Thank you. And the vineyard doesn't dance. Who says anything? Please sit. Well, bless your heart. I wanted to show you that. It got me up dancing in my office, which was a bit sad. I oh, know no, that was a bit sad, me dancing. But anyway, get over it. Just to wind up then, there is an encouragement. There's a challenge here. You know, we struggle with belief. If you struggle with belief, you're not alone. The early disciples struggled with a belief. But look what they accomplished. Why? Because the life of God, the life of the Holy Spirit within us is irrepressible. Seek his face, seek his presence, put that little bit of belief you have his way and see what God will do. And I'm just going to show you one last little verse of scripture. Let's all read this together. Thanks, Matt. John 3:16. Many of you know this, but we'll read 17 as well. Read it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. That's the heart of the gospel. Life wins. Love wins. However you thought, God was disposed towards you. It's probably far from the truth, because God loves you and knows you and gave himself for you. And Jesus said, I have come that you might have life, and life in all its fullness. Life wins. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord another clap. Sam, would you mind bringing your team up? And as the worship team comes up, why don't we just stand? I'm going to pray, and then we'll finish with the song, and then go to our Easter eggs and bunnies and goodness knows what else. <laughs> right, let's pray. Holy Spirit, I want to say thank you to you. Life is just irrepressible. Wherever Satan, the world, death tries to stamp life out, life springs up again. And Father, we pray that we would know more of your risen power and life within us, within this, this community and with your church at large, Lord God. May we, may we be those that let it be known that our God saves. We pray, Lord God, that you would have mercy and visit us and lead us and empower us. And everyone said, Amen.